Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Emergency edition, Friday edition of the Patriots Beat podcast right here on the CLNS Media Network. It is Brian Hines joined with Alex Barth because the New England Patriots, as Robert Kraft promised yesterday, very quickly have a new head coach as they anointed Gerard Mayo, the 15th coach of the organization earlier this afternoon. Seemed like this is where it was headed. We discussed this a little bit last night as the news broke that they kind of inked this successor plan into his extension last offseason. So that plan has now you know, been sought out, and Gerard Mayo will be taking over as the New England Patriots' next head coach. So we'll just, Alex, like initial, I know we've talked about yeah. Mayo a lot over these past few weeks and months, but just, you know, now that it's official, what are your kind of initial thoughts on this? I mean, what did I say last night? I don't remember if I said it to you on the air or, or after we wrapped up and we were chatting, but timelines. Once we wait, I, I said, I didn't think they'd do it last night. Once we wake up Friday morning, it's game on. And, and that's what it was. Uh, you know, I, Mayo's a good hire and we'll kind of get into the, the Mike Vrabel of it all. Cause that's what, you know, for as long as, or, at least initially as a head coach, Rabel's going to be compared to, or Mayo's going to be compared to Rabel in whatever success he has. Now, if Mayo has his own sex success, that quickly goes away. Winning cures all, right? But I, I think in Gerard Mayo, you get a guy that, first off, very high football IQ, which is, you know, the baseline, obviously, for any football coach. On top of that, you get a leader of men. You get somebody that players will gravitate towards. We've seen the reaction today not just from current players, but from former players, some even suggesting that they would be open to coming back and taking positional coaching roles, which is definitely something we'll talk about here in a little bit, Brian. Uh, And you get somebody who I think just has a modern view of the game. You look at the way the defense was modernized the last few years and him and Steve Belichick designing that, you figure he had to have had a hand in that. So there are some worries as well. First question, the big question is what they're going to do on the offensive side of the ball. It's really hard to to say. I mean, if Bill O'Brien stays it's probably more or less going to be the same schematically. That's not to say it'll be the same personnel. I still think drafting a quarterback is in play, but if O'Brien stays, you're looking at the same offensive system. If O'Brien leaves, who knows what direction Mayo is going to go. And I don't like, there's been nothing on this flip a coin. If whether or not you think Bill O'Brien's staying or not. So that's obviously a big question. And then just an experience. And that's where a guy like O'Brien maybe factors in having an experienced head coach on the staff. Doesn't have to be O'Brien though. You could go get somebody else. With, with former head coaching experience to maybe be a DC or just a positional coach or somebody, or we, we talked about that kind of director of football operations, VP of football operations role. Maybe that's where that person fits in. Maybe it is Mike Vrabel. Maybe they still get both. But overall, they could have done a lot worse. I, I, I said last night I was leaning Vrabel. I, oh, he was okay with either. I was leaning Vrabel. It wasn't Bill O'Brien. It wasn't Josh McDaniels. They didn't go get like Adam Gase, right? <laughs> Which I know you're saying, oh, wow, okay, so they didn't do the worst-case scenario. Great. A- Adam Gase might be me exaggerating a little bit, or Brandon Staley might be me exaggerating a little bit. I don't Brandon know, Josh. Staley, they should have done Brandon Staley just to see. We would have had we would have had a three-hour show You cover that would have ended Staley with me going year. to bed. <laughs> I, it, I don't think it would be a year. Um, Josh McDaniels felt like, like – that didn't feel that far outside of the realm of possibility. Bill O'Brien didn't feel that far outside of the realm of possibility. So I, I know people are uneasy about the defensive coach in that whole thing. I get that. 
what I would say is let's see what they do in terms of the offensive coordinator. And then we can, we can make that determination because if they go and I, I apologize here, I've been horrible with names this week. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, there's just but if so they many go names and, getting thrown out there. There's so many names getting thrown, thrown around. And like, <laughs> so a, a name I know a lot of people know right now is uh, Bobby Slowick, right? Who's the offense coordinator in Houston. Bobby Slowick's not going to come to New England for lateral move. Gerard Johnson, the quarterback's coach. Ben McDaniels, the passing games coordinator in Houston. Do you go get maybe one of those people? Because now, okay, like you still get that whole Houston offense quarterback development thing just maybe not at the level. Then you do have to worry about those guys eventually leaving and moving on and taking new, new jobs. But for one year, you're fine. So yeah, I, I, I don't think, I, I, I don't think it's this ultimate disaster. It's certainly not a home run. And I don't think Vrabel would have been either. And I don't think there, any coach they were going to hire at this point, I think there were, there were going to be risks. I don't think this is a great, it's better to be a coach in need of a job than a team in need of a coach this cycle. There's not really outside of one guy who, they weren't going to hire because they just let him go. There weren't that there's, there really wasn't that impressive of a coaching pool. So yeah, I, I think let's see what he does with the offense coordinator position. Let's see what happens at GM and then we'll have the full picture of it. But Gerard Mayo overall, like good hire, good, yeah. solid hire. We'll see how it turns out. Hearing how, you know, the players speak about, about him, like a player coach, you run through the wall for him. we, you know, he's been running these defensive meetings. They all talk about his energy levels. And I get the easy connection is, oh, he's a, another defensive disciple under Bill Belichick. And those guys have not worked very much across, across the league. But this is a different individual than Bill Belichick. From his experience in the NFL as a player to his personality, we talk about this, you know, he expects to kind of be more of a collaborative approach. We heard Kraft say yesterday, these checks and balances, we need people who aren't afraid to say no. And going back a few weeks ago, that's what Mayo was talking about that report where he rubbed people the wrong way. He says like, I want to be able to rub people the wrong way as a, that's what leaders kind of do. So you'd expect more of that collaborative approach, but it did seem like they kind of, well, obviously they put this succession plan in his contract and they just went down this path. Rappaport, Ian Rappaport said there was some consideration for Mike Frabel, but it ultimately was Mayo. Were you bothered at all that it seemed like they kind of boxed themselves in here to Gerard and they didn't maybe expand their horizons and bring in a Ben Johnson or a Bobby Slowick, not even if they were planning on hiring them, but just getting new perspective from another organization, from a guy who's an offensive you know, guru or an offensive genius because that's been the issue here is the offense. So were you a little bothered that, you know, Mayo's a good hire, but that they didn't even get any new perspective or a new you know, voice in here at all to, to, to see during this process? I was and I wasn't, by the way. I have to do this. Mike Cadlick, who's yeah. made every <laughs> single thing that's happened with the Patriots in last year, a SpongeBob meme, missed is mayonnaise an instrument this entire week. I had to bring that to him this morning. Uh, I hope he never forgets that. Yeah, this was his Super all Bowl. Time, he didn't though, even yeah. lose it. He just didn't show up. Uh, I, I, your question about, am I disappointed they didn't? Yeah. I I would have liked to see a more expansive search. I think something we've learned, and this is just me looking at the picture. There's no like inside information here. I think what we learned through a lot of this is Robert Kraft is an optimist and they had this plan set up where Bill was going to coach another couple of years. 
and Gerard Mayo was going to take over in like 2025 or 2026. And it was just, you know, he was going to inherit a team that was already kind of rolling, had some pieces in place. And that's why that language was in the contract for a peaceful transition of power from Belichick to him as Belichick stepped away. Obviously, that's not what happened. But I think that language being in the contract, I think Robert Kraft, the businessman, understood what it meant to then not make Gerard Mayo the head coach. And that's I, I think if he really thought Mayo was the wrong guy, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. So that's not to say Mayo became the head coach just by default. I don't think that, but I think that factored in. And I think Mayo was a strong enough candidate. Like I said, he's, he's a, they were always going to stay in house. He's a top two candidate with Vrabel. Was that maybe the deciding factor between him and Vrabel? It might've been, but you talk about the, the damage that would have been done. And, and you see the way the players reacted to Mayo, the damage would have been done. Had Kraft gone away from that, that, uh, I'm not super surprised they didn't look elsewhere. Let's see again. Let's see what they do with the offensive coaching staff. Because yeah. if it's Bill O'Brien back and then it's Elliot Wolf or Matt Groh as the GM, then yeah, be concerned all you want. But that's about it's about more than Mayo. There's nothing changed. If they go out get a new OC, hire from the outside for GM. I don't think you know missing the boat on Adam Peters is the end of the end of the road. There's a, there's other good candidates out there. Uh, uh, Trey Brown in Cincinnati, the guy from Everett who's in uh, Kansas City right now. Again, I'm sucking with the names like more or something. Borgonzi, thank Mike you. Borgonzi, I think. It's Mike Borgonzi, like they can still get qualified candidates to fill those roles. Let's see. I, I don't want to punish them for something they haven't done, but Mayo alone, uh, it. Uh, the next, so knowing that they were never going to talk to Slow if they were never going to talk to Johnson. And by the way, I don't know that those guys would have taken the job. Yeah. With it being down to Mayo or Vrabel, they didn't drag it out. Like, whatever. It doesn't, the only other person that would have wanted them to interview besides Mayo is Vrabel. Yeah. So it also could have been, if you have, it could have been a little weird if you have this, you know, verbiage baked into his contract and then you go out and hire or interview all these other guys and then you just come back to mayo at the end and it's like are you really committed to him or did the other interviews just not go well like that that could have made up for a, a weird dynamic but i guess you would like to see now kind of an extensive search for the offensive coordinator spot right like we don't know gerard mayo's kind of relationships around the league because he's only been in, in new england so it would be interesting to see if it's not Bill O'Brien, if he kind of casts a wide net and sees some of these guys like the Houston pass coordinators that you talked about, if they right. take more of that expansive look in that offensive coordinator to try to find that young next offensive mind, maybe that's the route they, they kind of go here to fix that or start fixing that offensive side of the ball. That's what I want to see. And I'm, I'm not going to applaud them for doing it before they have. I'm not going to rip them for not doing it until they have. It. Yeah. And it'll be, I don't know if we'll get more staffing news between now and Wednesday when, when Gerard Mayo speaks and there's going to be a press conference Wednesday at noon to formally introduce Mayo. It'll be Robert and Jonathan Kraft and Mayo speaking. But I think these are a lot of the questions that will be asked of him. What is your core offensive philosophy? I, I don't think he'll like out, answer outright, will Bill O'Brien be back? But you know, what is your core offense philosophy? Do you like the offensive system in place? Do you like the quarterback situation in mm -hmm. place? These are all the questions that just we don't know because 
he's never been in a position to make any of these decisions. All we can really do is sit here and speculate. Yep. Do you think Kraft will have any input on that? Because he, as we've now learned, he's pushed for Bill O'Brien to come back last year. Bill O'Brien's under contract. And maybe having that kind of experienced coach, he's kind of like Mike McDaniel's Vic Fangio, right? Like an experienced guy, a former head coach on that side of the ball, on that side of the ball to a, a young, right. brand new head coach. Like, do you think Kraft might have some say in this and say, like, we want you to keep Billy O in, in here or maybe push Mayo in another direction? Well, that's going to be another interesting. I, I hate to keep using the cop out, but like, I. Robert Kraft clearly got and Jeff Howe, I thought wrote a great story last night about this. Robert Kraft clearly got more hands on the last few years than he'd ever been under Belichick. And while you could argue some of that was necessary, Belichick wanted to bring back Matt Patricia last year. Uh, it's not sustainable. And the question now is, does Kraft see a younger head coach, a guy that he picked like hand, not that he didn't pick bill, but a guy that like he really went out of his way to hand pick. Does he take that as an opening to to be more hands-on with the football team and make more football uh, decisions? Or does he look at this and say, all right, Bill's out of here. I don't need a traffic cop anymore. I'm going back upstairs. Um, I'm going back to kind of just, you know, letting the football guys do the football things. I hope it's the latter. I yep. certainly hope it's the latter. But that is going to be and, – and that's not to say that if – Mayo doesn't want Kraft's advice. He can't ask him. I'm sure there's an element of that as well. But I think that that's another interesting new dynamic here. Is Robert Kraft going to go back to being the guy he was for 20 years under Bill? Will he be more the guy he was the last four? Yep. will be interesting to see how that unfolds. A few names people in the chat are throwing out. Let's run them by you. Wes Welker for OC. Relationship with Gerard. Bill's out of the building now. Could you see maybe... West coming back after all that success with, you know, the Dolphins and San Fran. I don't know how, I mean, what's the Kraft's relationship with him? I yeah. honestly don't, like, I honestly don't know that. No, I would, I know. Uh, you know, forget OC. Like, well, I don't know if he's going to take a lateral move. I don't know what the situation is there. It sounds like he's kind of not happy there. Um, he replaced Troy Brown once before. Could he do it again? Is he ready to be an OC? It, it's tough. You know, wide receivers, coaches, you know, you kind of want that quarterback and tight end are kind of the two positions you really look at for developing into that role. But I mean, I wouldn't, they could do a lot worse. I would not be opposed to that. It would be an interesting, it's certain to be an interesting hire. Yep. And uh, there was one other good one in here. I said somebody had Sean Jeff. Uh, Matt, no, no, keep going. Hey, well, Bill thought the Matt Patricia offense was making strides last year. Oh, yeah. He also thought that the offense was moving the ball when they got shut out against the Chargers. Uh, uh, somebody <laughs> mentioned Sean Jefferson. That's another interesting one. Again, I, great coach. There is the thing about, like, if you're trying to develop a quarterback, do you want another person with a quarterback outlook? I'm looking to see, does Kellen Moore get let go in, uh, I almost said, San Diego. Does Kellen Moore get let go by the Chargers? That's the kind of guy that I would kind of look at. I think he'd be a great fit for what they're trying to do. And yeah. then the, the, the guys in Houston too, I, I think would be, would be interesting names. Well, what this is actually a really interesting one. Yeah. Let's hear it. Frank Reich. Frank right. Cause you get that thing where like he can be He's the veteran, right? He can be that veteran experienced head coach. It's on the other side. He has history developing quarterbacks. He was a quarterback's coach. Uh, 
That's a really interesting one. Yeah. I don't hate that. I, that like, would be – Some people were pushing for him to be in the head coach running, which obviously right. didn't happen. But that would be, again, that mold of a experienced former head coach, offensive side of the ball. Like That, that would kind of be – I wouldn't put too much stock in what happened in Carolina. Obviously, that didn't uh, Yeah, well, that's but, a David Tepper thing. That's yeah. not he – Yeah, is, he uh, could, He'd be an interesting one. You could sell me on Frank Reich. I, I, I prefer like Frank Reich. I know it's kind of lukewarm on, on Welker. I would prefer somebody like Frank Reich to, to Wes Welker. Has the experience in that. Right. But um, what about defensive side of the ball? I see a few people asking, is Steve Belichick staying? You'd assume Mayo, that side of the ball, he'll try to keep as many people as possible. I think a lot of us just thought right away, Steve and Brian gone, following their dad wherever he goes. I don't know if I want to say I'm convincing myself that Steve is going to stay, but they have, you know, he has a good relationship with Gerard. And if he wants to establish himself kind of on his own here, like now would be the perfect time to stay here. Doesn't have to move his family. He can just keep calling plays and and probably get that defensive coordinator title. So Steve would be a really interesting one. And then I don't know if you have any thoughts on the rest of that defensive staff who you might expect to stay here with Mayo and maybe bounce with Bill. So DC's simple. If Steve stays, it's Steve. Stays calling the plays, stays coordinating it. Him and Gerard continue designing it like that. You want to keep as much continuity on the defensive side of the ball as possible. If Steve goes with Bill, which I think is more likely than not, I, I'm not ruling out Steve staying, but I think it's more most likely he goes with Bill, then you just promote Demarcus Covington because he's going to get defensive coordinator interviews. He's going to end up being a defensive coordinator somewhere. If he's going to be a defensive coordinator and you're hiring a defensive coordinator, there's no reason it shouldn't be him. None. If Steve isn't here. So I, I know some people have brought up Brian Flores. I love Brian Flores. I think he's a great coach. I was upset when he left. Uh, I wanted him to be the next guy. I was kind of hoping he would end up in the spot that Gerard Mayo's in right now. Um, because that was the year Jimmy Garoppolo left too. And everybody kept saying they had the guy to replace the guy and they let him walk out the door Everybody's saying that about Jimmy Garoppolo. I was the lone person saying it about Brian Flores. Um, but he's I don't think he's coming back on a lateral move. Yeah. It, yeah, I don't think he's coming back on a lateral move. And, and you have good options in-house. So nothing against Flores at all. But it I just don't – it doesn't make sense for either side, really, to bring him back. He Again, it's a lateral move for him. I don't really get what the incentive is for him to do something like that. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's blocked as the head coach here because the reality is if Mayo doesn't work out – you're not going to hire another yeah. defensive <laughs> linebackers coach. Like there really is no path here for him to become that head coach. So yeah, I don't, again, fan of his doesn't make sense right now. Timing's just not right. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. It, it'll be really interesting to see how he kind of puts this staff together. Cause again, he played his whole career here. He has only coached here. So we don't know his, you know, relationships, his network with people around the league. So it'll be interesting. Uh, to see how how that comes together. Someone did bring up and uh, didn't Mayo say Hightower. That was something he did allude to saying one day it was, I don't know if it was in the preseason press conference or like the draft press conference where he said one day when I, you know, I'm steering my own ship, I want Hightower. I'm going to try to convince him to come be on my coaching staff and Hightower quote retweeted it on Twitter with the eyeball emoji. So they need a new linebackers coach now that Mayo's not in that role. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Hightower fills in there. Him and Jamie Collins have both said they want to get into coaching. Yeah. They've both spoken very highly of Gerard Mayo. Those are your co-linebackers coaches. Do it. I 100%. Yeah. 
Hightower for sure, because I think he's like actually interested. I think uh, Colin said he wants to maybe take some time off before he gets into coaching, which a lot of guys do. I get that. Mayo did it. Uh, but yeah, Dante Hightower, linebackers coach, sign awesome. me up. Sign me the hell up. That'd yeah. be awesome. And we had some, I think, eyeball emojis with like James White on Twitter today and LeGarrette Blunt on so Twitter today. LeGarrette but... Blunt's a really interesting one. He was here in the He was sprint, here, right? right. He did the coaching fellowship. Like it's clearly something he's trying to get into. I would be all in for LeGarrette Blunt being the, the running. You're, ta- you're talking about an all-time. If, if It's going to be Gerard Mayo, Dante Hightower. <laughs> LeGarrette Blunt, throw Wes Welker in there. You're talking about an all-time vibes coaching staff. I mean, it is going to be a good time in New England. That would be the opposite of the last 25 years, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Go get Rohan Davey to be the quarterback's coach. He's down coaching in Louisiana. I think he like works with high school kids. Oh, my God. That, that would be a good time. That would be a good time. But yeah, because yeah, yeah. you'd imagine Vinny Sinceri, their current running backs coach, is a build he, He's – so yeah, he's, he's gonna probably go. going to follow Bill. And I, I mean, that was something we talked about even when Vinny was here in the spring, like getting LeGarrette Blunt in that room, just the energy is one thing, but he's also actually a running back, which, you know, Vinny Sinceri was a safety. So getting that former player in, in that room would, would be good stuff. And LeGarrette Blunt is just, as you said, all time vibes guy. So that, that would be a really fun staff. So, uh, Mayo Can we is, get who's who's the uh, remember Ed Reed was like the minister of culture or something at uh, the U. He had some weird title, yeah. What, what former <laughs> Patriot comes back to just like install like the Patriot way? Matt Slater. Oh, there it I is. I can't believe I forgot that one. I can't believe I forgot that one. Everything's coming together. Just get get, get all the boys back in town. So <laughs> that'll be uh, really fun to kind of break down these next few weeks how that staff comes together, but. Let's take a very quick break. We'll hear from our friends over at FanDuel, and then we can talk about some of the GM stuff and what else is going on with this team right now. The NFL season is wrapping up, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 
Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This one was just making Dude, me I, laugh over the break. James, James Ferenc, O-line coach. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't realize this. I'm sitting here like reading the names like off the list that I have, not thinking about it. Uh, I, I talked about Lee O.C., the two guys in Houston, whoever. So Bobby Slowick, he figures, is going to get a job. So you'd think the two biggest candidates for the offensive coordinator job are Gerard Johnson, who's the quarterback's coach, and Ben McDaniels, who's the wide receiver's coach and offensive passing game coordinator. Ben McDaniels. It's Josh McDaniels' brother. There you go. That's such a no-brainer. That's such a no-brainer. Assuming he doesn't go with Bill. What's his role? Quarterbacks coach, you said? Wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator. Okay. So it'd have to be probably offensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm talking about if you move on from Bill O'Brien to replace Bill O'Brien. Assuming Gerard Mayo clears house on offense. And I, I think there's a decent chance that happens just because so many of the guys on that side of the ball are Bill guys. O'Brien being the one exception, obviously, but... Either you're going to let O'Brien build his own staff, which Mayo's going to have a say in, or, yeah, I I think the offensive staff's going to change. It's just a matter of does it change under O'Brien or is O'Brien part of the change? What about – this was a name we talked a lot about last year when they were going through this. Uh, Zach Robinson with the Rams. Was he here when Mayo was here? I know he was a Patriot draft pick. And I don't know if he – did he get promoted in – with the Rams to like offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think he replaced, uh, I'm pretty sure he replaced Liam Cohn. Oh, no. Didn't they bring LaFleur in as offensive Oh, he's their, he's their pass game coordinator and quarterbacks coach, actually. Okay, so it's, he, could uh, be, he could, he was seventh round pick in 2010. Oh, their so OC is LaFleur, you're right. He might have a relationship with Mayo as a, you know, 2010 Patriots draft pick, and that would be, that'd be an upgrade position-wise, from pass game coordinator to offensive coordinator. So that would be another interesting one, another one of those. You know, that would be a, a younger route in this McVay-Shanahan tree, but that would be a, a kind of an enticing option as someone we talked about last year, too, uh, during this search. But uh, a lot of names will be interesting to see, again, how that unfolds. But let's talk GMs a little bit because who's picking the groceries now is a big part of this. And one of the hot names, Adam Peters, is off to Washington, so he is off the market now. So Ian Rappaport had uh, about two hours ago, three hours ago, he said he'd expect the new GM to accelerate pretty quickly here in New England. And he said what we kind of all know, but he confirmed that he said it's obviously going to be someone with Patriots ties and obviously going to be someone that Gerard Mayo knows. So, again, that falls into a lot of these names Trey Brown from Cincinnati, Mike Borgonzi, who, you know, he's worked with Scott Pioli and from Everett, he's the Chiefs guy. And then you have the Elliot Wolfs, the Matt Grow, the Dave Ziegler's, the John Robinson's, a bunch of these guys with with Patriots ties. But that seems like the direction uh, they're headed in for that general manager job right now. Yeah, I'm I, 
so I know Zoe kind of talked about today, Elliot Wolf and Cameron Williams. I still think there's a chance they go external there. And I, I know people will roll their eyes at like John Robinson and Dave Ziegler. Those count as external candidates. I'm talking about not currently employed by the team. But yeah, it's it, it's going to be somebody they know. I got a list up on 985thesports.com right now if you want to check it out. Uh, to me, it's just, is it somebody who has experience with offensive personnel? I, I don't care if you, you can't tell a linebacker from a, uh, uh, I don't know. I couldn't think of anything funny. Um, next two, three years have to be dedicated to offense. They got to be dedicated to finding talent on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, you look at Trey Brown in Cincinnati and what they've done at the wide receiver position the last two years. Obviously, Borgazi in Kansas City, they found a lot of offensive talent. They lost it because they didn't resign any of them, but they certainly found a lot of offensive talent that they just didn't end up paying. Uh, you look at guys like that, to me, that's the kind of guy you should be going after. Even, I know people don't want to hear about John Robinson. John Robinson's record is like 90% excellent. The 1%, the, the 10% is atrocious. <laughs> but I, I would sit him down and be like, all right, so do you understand trading A.J. Brown to draft Traylon Burks was a massive mistake? And if he says yes, and I believe him, I'm like, all right, this guy's not terrible at his job. Now, if he says no, I'd do it again, he can get the hell out. But I, I, they had a pretty good thing going before that one monumental mistake kind of blew it up. Uh, so just somebody, somebody who can figure out quarterback and wide receiver play, I think is really what they, what they need to be focused on. Yeah. That, that one Robinson mistake though, it just seems so bill, right? Like you have the guy, oh, yeah. you have the, the receiver and you're like, I'm not going to pay him. I'm just going to trade him and then, try to replace them with this guy, even if he's 80% better or 80%, you know, worse, it's whatever. It's like, he's that much cheaper. That seemed like such a, a bill move. So that, that one would scare me, but yeah, he, he's probably in the mix here. But uh, what, what do you think of Elliot Wolf? Cause it sounds like he is maybe the leader of like the in-house candidates. And I know in-house probably scares a lot of people, but this is a guy who, has been mostly outside of the organization. This isn't someone that was raised and, and groomed by Bill Belichick. It was like 13, 14 years with the Packers in numerous roles. He was the assistant GM to uh, Dorsey and, and Cleveland for two years. And he's been here the last, that last three or four years. So he, he's been raised outside of, of outside of Bill and outside of New England. So what, what would you think if, you know, they do end up handing the keys to, to Elliot Wolf there? At that point, I'd go to Cameron Williams if that's what they're going to do. And I know Cameron Williams is a little inexperienced, but I wouldn't love it. I, I wouldn't love it. I want to see a new approach. I want to see a fresh approach. And the question is how much of it – the interesting thing about it being Elliot Wolf or Matt Grow or even Cameron Williams is we truly would get to figure out how much of it was on Bill, right? Yeah. And somebody just said this in the chat. If Matt Grow's the GM and suddenly they start hitting on offensive draft picks left and right <laughs> – it answers a lot of questions. They sitting on the outside. I, I, I look at it and say, all right, you, you've had really bad drafts for four of the last five years. Go get, you know, somebody with a different approach. Maybe they're sitting in there and like, all right, Bill's finally out of the way. We can finally let Matt grow and Elliot Wolf and Cameron Williams run their vision. And it, you know, it's going to work and we believe in it. And maybe that's the case. It's so great. There's going to be a massive PR hit that comes with it. Cause it's going to take, three or four years for that to come to fruition to prove it. So I don't know what's going on inside the building, but I would say that it hasn't been good. And generally when that's the case, it's why you just moved on from Bill Belichick, right? You, you didn't move on from, cause he couldn't coach anymore. 
I hope they didn't move on from because yeah. of his coaching ability, because his coaching ability was still good. He moved on from because he was struggling to build the roster. Go get somebody who has a proven track record of doing that. Or at least a proven track record, a recent track record of being around it in a guy like like Borgonzi or um uh, uh Trey Brown, mm-hmm. who obviously they didn't primarily build the roster, but the roster's gotten built up tremendously with with them being a big part of that, a high-ranking part of that. Yep. All right. So I mean, you've been nailing timelines here. Do you want to take a shot or do you want to quit while you're ahead? Or what do you think? Like, I know Rappaport said this is going to go pretty quickly, but are we sitting at the press conference Wednesday and there's a GM there too? Or Ooh. what's your timeline here for that? <laughs> you, you want me to heat check myself? Yeah, let's, um, let's hear it. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a little bit longer. They So the whole reason the whole Mayo thing moved so fast was they didn't have to do the Rooney Rule stuff yeah. because there's that clause in his contract. I can't imagine Matt Crow or Dave Ziegler have that clause. I can't imagine that's the case. If one of them do, yeah, I think we probably do know by Wednesday. If they don't, even if it does end up, because even if it ends up being one of those guys, if the clause is not in the contract, they still got to go out and interview and they still got to, I think it's is it one or two minority candidates for the, for the GM job. It's different for different positions. I think it's I know, two. I know the coach was two, but I don't know. Coach is two. GM. I think GM is two, but they're going to have to, you know, schedule interviews and get through interviews. So you got to know by, you know, Shrine Bowl starts. Sorry, I'm pulling up my calendar here. Shrine Bowl practices start uh, two, two, weeks. Weeks, two weeks from Monday. So I'd say by the 22nd, I think you definitely know. So next week, Friday would be a week from today's the 19th. So let's say a week from today, you give them the weekend to get settled. I think within the next week, we know. I, I don't think it's necessarily something we wake up Monday morning and boom, there it is. Uh, I think it could be a little bit longer than that. But I think within the next week, we'll have an answer. Maybe start hearing some of the interviews Monday, Tuesday, and then. I think over the weekend, you might start hearing that. that It wouldn't surprise me if you start hearing the candidates to interview over the weekend. Because yep. they're going to get they're, – they're probably getting those booked right now. Like you got Mayo set. This is why you did the draw Mayo thing so quickly. So you can get this thing going. They're probably scheduling the interviews now. Because so you got to – I mean guys are doing all these different interviews. they got to fly all over the country, right? It's The actual process of scheduling the interviews is kind of a whole thing. So m- moving all that around and they're a little later to the party than some other teams. I, I, I think – but this weekend, I think you start hearing, okay, you know, so-and-so scheduled to be in New England early next week or early this week, however it's phrased. And then that process goes about, and then I would say by Friday, you, you, they have a GM. The, the big question is, do we still have Nancy scheduling all this? Or is she I'd, is she I'd imagine she's going – oh, she was here before, Bill. Yeah, she's been here since like the 70s, hasn't she? Yeah. So I don't know if I was she thinking because the two people – the two people Bill mentioned by name were Burge and Nancy. Burge is going with Bill. I have no 100%. doubt about that. Yeah. Nancy, I don't know. That's a good question. She might stay. She might stay. Because she also works like in the scouting department. Yeah. And those she does, generally she does that everything. department stays later. <laughs> yeah. Technically, she works in the scouting department, though. It's a good question. Yeah. Something to maybe ask we'll, on Wednesday. Maybe we'll figure that out. But uh yeah, that's most of the GM talk. Again, we'll keep throwing names out there till we get an answer on that. But uh, let's quickly hear from our other friends over at LinkedIn, and then we can kind of wrap this one up. This show is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. 
what's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. You can check out LinkedIn Jobs. Again, over a billion qualified candidates and they'll help you find the right person for your team like that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in deserving quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat, B-E-A-T, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so I see a lot of people in the chat talking about the draft. So let me ask you this. Does Mayo taking over change your opinion or maybe worry you more about how they're going to use this number three overall pick here in April? Again, I I hate to keep going to this. Tell me who the GM is, right? Like, no, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I can't imagine a world where it was like, all right, well, if Bill was the coach, we were going to take this guy, but you need a quarterback. They needed a quarterback before they hired Mayo. They still need a quarterback. And about the G- – they need a quarterback now. They'll still need a quarterback after they hire the GM. Now, if a GM comes in who has a connection to a guy like her Cousins, that maybe changes what I think will happen. But make no mistake about it. They should be taking a quarterback third overall. And mm-hmm. on that, I, I did see some people mention the report, report in Caleb Williams. <laughs> that Caleb Williams isn't declaring because the Bears' fake account. He still hasn't declared that like he still is not declared. He has until Monday to do so. But that report is from some joke account. Like that's not real. None of that's real. Well, what do you think about Kale Williams? If he declares, is he worth trading up for here? Is he worth a future first? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Just because of which, how the draft is structured. I would let – so I, I think Washington's going from two to one to get Caleb Williams. It just makes all the sense in the world, especially now with Peters, who has experience of doing things like this. Washington from two to one makes all the sense in the world. And if that happens, Washington goes up to one, the Bears take Marvin Harrison at two, and you get your choice at three of Jane Daniels or Drake May, which is a great place to be. If you start hearing that another team further down the board is going to move up to one – then maybe you start to entertain it because it changes the dynamic of the draft, especially if you don't believe in one of Jane Daniels or Drake May, because then you risk losing your guy to Washington at two. So I wouldn't be overly aggressive about it, but I wouldn't rule it out either, depending on what the Bears ultimately end up doing. And the best case scenario for the Patriots, and I don't think it's super unrealistic, the best case scenario for the Patriots is Washington and Chicago swap one and two. And Chicago says we're sticking with Justin Fields. We're going to put talent around him. And then you have uh, you have Washington takes Caleb Williams at one, hometown kid. Chicago takes Marvin Harrison at two. And then you have three options at three. You have you can either take Jane Daniels or Drake May, uh, which so those are options one and two, right? Whoever you like, or we have a bidding war. Well, 
here's the thing. I wouldn't trade that far down the board because you still need one of those two guys. You still want one of those. Here's yeah. right. Here's what I would consider. You trade down to four with Arizona, and you hope you get the Texans first round pick back because Arizona has the Texans first round pick. And if you're a Patriots fan, you want the Texans to win this weekend. And I'll tell you why. Right now, like if the Texans were to lose this weekend. That pick can't be any lower than 21. It could end up anywhere between 19 and 21. Four and 21 for three is a bit of a stretch. Texans win this weekend, and now it's like four and 28 for three and call it a third. That's a realistic trade. Like, that's more the ballpark. That's the only trade down scenario I accept if I'm the Patriots is maybe the Cardinals have a guy they want. Maybe it is Drake May. Maybe it is Jane Daniels. If you know the Cardinals aren't going to take your guy, you kind of dangled the Cardinals. Hey, we might let the Titans trade up, jump you for your guy. Might let the Falcons trade up, jump you for your guy, right? Maybe Bill's there. Maybe it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, we. it's all good between us and Bill. We don't need a pick at three. We'd love to help Bill out, you know? Ultimately, he, he said he's always a Patriot. We'll let him jump you. And then the Cardinals overpay to move up that one spot to make sure they get their guy. That is the only scenario in which I would trade down. But I, I still quarterback, 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 third overall. Yep. The one thing we really got to watch, like outside of our organization, the next four yeah. months is the Justin Fields decision because that's right. going to be so monumental for the Patriots. Because if they stick with him, then you're really looking that maybe Drake May falls to number three, or you know whether you like Drake May or Jaden Daniels, you know maybe it's your choice at that pick. But that that's going to be huge for them. But the Adam Peters going to Washington will will kind of make it interesting because you look at. He, he comes from San Francisco. They're a team that obviously went all in to trade up for a quarterback and Trey Lance. It didn't work. And then they find this late round guy in Brock Purdy, who obviously is now working. And, you know, San Fran is built with really good offensive tackles and wide receivers. So I'd still expect Washington with that roster to pick a, a quarterback and I bet they would be aggressive. To, to trade up for Caleb Williams, but that would be interesting if Peters, maybe he's scarred at the Trey Lance decision and he like really likes, he wants his next Trent Williams and a Olu Fashanu or, or a Joe Walt. So that, that's just kind of interesting now that Washington has a guy and they're sitting in that number two spot. I still think you don't go out and make the splash GM higher yeah. to not take a quarterback at two. I just, I, I don't see it. You're right. Like all your points are right. Like, yeah, he did. They did get a torque with Brock Purdy there. I think you, I think that guy's coming just me trying to. Back. It's just me trying to convince myself that one of those first two teams. I, I know, but he should know. He should know how difficult Brock be, Purdy like, is like once in a blue moon type of thing. Right. And it's also do they have Kittle? Yeah. Do they have Depot? No. Do they have McCaffrey <laughs> in Washington? Like that kind of changes the picture. They have Trent Williams, so I think he understands how hard that would be to replicate. Uh, Washington's taking a quarterback. I think Chicago's, Chicago's the, the They're one. the ones that uh, – we need Ryan Poles to decide to keep uh, Justin Fields over there. That would be big for the Patriots. But uh, anything else you got? Anything? Mayo, GM, anything else around the league you got to kind of wrap this one up? Um, well, so the interesting thing now is what happens with Rabel. I'd like to see him go to Seattle. I think that makes a ton of sense, especially now that Kalen DeBoer is out of the running for that job. And I thought Kalen DeBoer might be a serious candidate for that job. Uh, crazy that like nobody wanted to go to Alabama. DeBoer is not a bad hire. Like, 
you're not going to get a good hire to to replace Nick Saban. Like you're just you're not going to replace him. But I I would have loved to have had um, uh, Dan Lanning. The yeah, video he put out made me only want him <laughs> even more. But uh, I, I wonder where Vrabel goes. I think Seattle makes a ton of sense for him. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it for my thoughts around the league for right now. Yep. So a lot of news the last two days and still going to have a lot of news going forward. So uh, make sure you stay with us on this channel, subscribe, and you will know when we go live yet again. You can also follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything at real Alex Barth at I am Brian Hines. Check out 985sportshub.com to read all of Alex's coverage. Check out patspulpit.com to read all of my coverage. We'll be back sometime next week. Again, make sure you tune in everywhere to make sure you do know when we go live. But thank you all, as always, for joining us here on this Friday. And have a good weekend, and we will see you guys next week. Bye.